Hey, and thanks for tuning in to the Father's House podcast. The Father's House exists to see people discover life in Jesus. We hope that today's message brings you fresh life and renewed hope as you listen. Enjoy. Well, we're in the middle of a series that we are calling Fight Right, where we're going through Ephesians chapter 6, where Paul, the apostle, explains the armor of God. And he goes through and he explains how each item of armor is specific and how we need this armor to fight the spiritual battle that we're in. I don't know if that's news to you today, but you're in the middle of a battle. The Bible says that we don't fight against flesh and blood, but we fight the unseen rulers and authorities. There is a demonic nature that we are fighting against that we can't see. And in order to fight this fight right, we have to be equipped with the body armor of God. And I love the way Paul breaks this down because here's the thing, we're not just fighting in this season. We're not just fighting a battle in this season called coronavirus, but you need to be equipped as a believer that when we get outside of this season and you enter another one, that you will be ready for any fight that you go through. And we see this so clearly laid out in scripture. So today, church, I wanna add to that so that we can know how to fight right. We're gonna go back to our main text before we dive into the rest of the sermon. So it'll come up on your screen in just a minute, but I'm gonna read it for you right now. Ephesians 6, 6.13 says this, "'Therefore put on every piece of God's armor "'so that you will be able to resist the enemy "'in the time of evil.'" Then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. And then put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. See, Paul is telling us how to be successful in this fight. He's telling us how to dress right so we can fight right. He's showing us these specific items and their purpose. A couple weeks ago, Tim talked about the belt of truth, how we've got to gird up our loins. Still kind of giggle when I say that. Last week, we talked about the body armor of God's righteousness. And today, we're going to talk about shoes. I know For all of us, we're probably not really wearing our shoes that much in this season of shelter in place. I know there's a lot of my shoes that are growing very dusty on the shelves of my closet. I mainly wear my slippers and my sneakers, just only the slippers and the sneakers. That's all I need right now. I work out at home in my sneakers, and then I wear them out to run errands or go on a walk with the kids. But I've got a whole bunch of nice shoes that are just sitting there. And actually today I'm not even wearing shoes. Like, why would I? You can't see my feet. I might be dressed nice here, but I've got some really ugly socks on right now. (laughs) See, if we could imagine instead of me preaching to you from a basement on Mother's Day, instead we were in our building and I could preach to you from our stage, what I would do is I'd pick out my outfit the night before. I may even have picked this out, but I gotta be prepared so that I don't run late to church. So I pick out my outfit, but I wouldn't, in, I wouldn't actually pick out my shoes. Instead, I would call on the help of my fashionista husband, Tim, and I would invite him to choose my shoes for me. Why? Well, I've found that he's better at picking out my shoes. In fact, I don't even go shoe shopping anymore. He buys all my shoes for me. Because here's the deal. He's the fashionista and he's informed me that shoes can either make or break your outfit. 
And he finally, at some point in our marriage, could muster up enough courage to tell me that I was making some bad shoe choices. And I think he called my shoes cheap. Anyway, I'm not offended because he buys me nice shoes now. But what I didn't realize is that I was breaking a lot of outfits by the choice of shoes that I made. See, I could have on a really nice outfit. I could have on a great blouse like I'm wearing today, a good jacket to pair with it, and maybe some designer jeans. But if I chose some Skechers shape-ups or maybe a pair of Crocs to pair with this outfit, I would break the outfit. And similarly, a soldier that's wearing body armor, he could have the best body armor on. He could have the greatest shield and it could be shiny and it could be protective. But if he chooses the wrong shoes, then he is going to fall flat on his face in the battle. See, we have to choose the right shoes. And shoes don't just make or break the outfit when it comes to the fashion game. They can make or break you on the battlefield. Let me tell you what I mean by this. Paul, the author of this letter, wrote this during his stay in a Roman prison. Now, since he was in a Roman prison, he had a lot of opportunity to look at a Roman soldier and what they wore. I imagine as Paul sat down to write this letter to the Ephesians that he had pen to paper and he was examining what a soldier would wear, what that amazing warrior would wear. And imagine when he got to his feet, what he would notice is that the, the soldier would wear a pair of shoes, but actually they were more like sandals. And these sandals that the soldier would wear were, were made out of strips of leather, made out of tough leather that could withstand a long battle, that could withstand him wearing them for a long period of time. The leather didn't just go around his foot, but it actually went all the way up part of his calf to ensure that he had stability in a battle. In addition to the thick leather, at the bottom of the sole of the soldier's foot, they would take nails and they would embed the nails into the sole of the shoe. This caused a, the shoe to become like a cleat so that when he was battling maybe against an opponent, he could take his body and press it in to the one he was fighting and his feet would act like cleats and they would grip the ground to give him stability so that that enemy he was fighting couldn't push him over. They acted as cleats. It even um, goes on to say, if you read about these amazing sandals, that they were able to run up the hill and it would act as cleats to dig into the side of the hill so that they wouldn't slip or fall down if an enemy was chasing after them or if they were pursuing an enemy. So Paul is saying that our shoes, the shoes that you and I should be wearing, should function like those of a Roman battle-ready sandal. But our shoes aren't supposed to be made out of leather and nails. No, they're made out of a different material, a material called peace. So if my peace shoes are supposed to function like the Roman sandals, then here's what Paul is saying to us today. He's saying that peace keeps us planted. If you're taking notes today, write that down. Peace keeps you planted. See, in order to understand how peace keeps us planted, first, we must understand what type of peace Paul is talking about here, and also what type of peace he's not talking about. He's not talking about a type of peace that you would find if you went to a day spa, got a massage, a facial, a mani-pedi. 
that sounds really good. And this mom is going to need one of those when we get out of this shelter in place. And it opens up. But he's not talking about that type of peace. He's also not talking about a type of peace that you would find in any pleasant circumstance or the type of peace that would sustain you when you're not in pleasant circumstance. Paul is also isn't talking about a type of peace between people. And he definitely isn't talking about a peace between you and the enemy that is opposing you. Instead, Paul is talking about peace with God. Paul says, for shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news. Or another translation says, the gospel of peace. Now, what is good news? What does the gospel have to do with peace? Uh, Simply put, the good news is that God sent his son as a sacrifice for you so that you no longer had to be at odds with God. You no longer had to be an enemy of God. But instead, when you said yes to Jesus and you put your faith in him, you received God's peace right then in that moment. You received his peace. We see the truth of that in Romans 5.11, where it says, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. See, before Jesus, the Bible says that we were enemies of God. We were sinners. We were breakers of God's law. And God had every right as a just God to pour out his punishment and his wrath on you and I because of our sin. But because Jesus gave his life for us and because we put our faith in him, Jesus took the full scope of the wrath of God for us so that now we could have peace with God. Now, the only wrath that we have to be worried about from God is the wrath that he's going to pour out. Sorry, we don't need to be worried about it. The only wrath that God has is the one he's gonna pour out on our enemies because we are at peace with God. See, now this is a big deal and here's why it's a big deal and why you need to put on these shoes of peace. If you have peace with God, then the origin of your opposition is revealed. Now, let me say it like this. You don't ever need to ask if what you're facing is punishment from God. You don't need to ask, is this God punishing punishing me for what I've done? No, you have peace with God. And if God is at peace with someone, he doesn't fight against them and he certainly doesn't oppose them. Your opposition is demonic in nature. And I know that sounds intense, but we've talked about this throughout this entire series. There is a very real enemy and his job description over your life is to still kill and destroy you. He is the one opposing you. Yet I think far too often we attribute opposition to the wrong source. I've heard Christians say this and maybe you've said this yourself. When you're walking through opposition, you make statements like, well, maybe God's just doing this to teach me a lesson. Or somebody who loses someone prematurely, they die. They make statements like, well, I think God just really needed another angel up in heaven and that's why he took their life. Or in the midst of this pandemic, speaking of having lessons learned, There's so many people that are saying, well, this is just God teaching humanity a lesson. But 
I understand human nature, okay? I understand that we feel like we need to legitimize what we're experiencing. We feel like we need to blame someone or something for the circumstance that we're facing so that we can bring it into our understanding. But what we must understand is God is not the author of harm. God is not the author of sickness. God is not the author of death. All of those things find their origin in the enemy, God in God. And it says this in Psalm 119. We know it to be true that God is good and he only does good. I'm gonna say that again. God is good and he only does good. If something ain't good, then it ain't God. Now, I do know that God can take bad things and he can turn them over for his good. He does that all the time. He does that in my life. He does it in yours. He's doing it in the midst of this pandemic. He can take bad things and they can turn them for his glory and good. But we need to know that he is not the originator of the things that we see, the destruction, the stuff that we're facing. He is not the originator of it. Because we have peace with God, and whom God is at peace with, he will not oppose. Now, peace with God reveals the source of my opposition, but I want to be clear about something today. It doesn't eliminate the law of sowing and reaping. See, Jesus said, as long as the earth remains, there will be seed time and harvest. There will be sowing and there will be reaping. Let me say it like this. Paul also says in in Romans that We are sons and daughters of God, that he's placed his spirit within us and we cry out, Abba, Father. We are his children. That's who we are. And a good and loving father would never oppose his kids, right? But like my kids sometimes make bad choices, my kids maybe sow some bad seeds, God's children do the same exact thing. We make bad choices and we still have to suffer the repercussions of our actions. See, if my kids later today sneak into the kitchen and go into the cabinet to find the leftover Easter candy and they decide to eat the entire bowl of it, well, they're going to reap a harvest of a stomach ache. And you today, as you maybe get bored in this season, sheltering in place, you grab your credit card, you know you're not supposed to use, it's only there for emergencies, and you start going online and online shopping, buying some very non-essential items, and you rack up a huge credit card bill, and the end of the month it comes in the mail, and you don't have the finances to pay that off, well, you're gonna reap a harvest of debt. There's this principle of sowing and reaping. Yet so many times we find ourselves in the midst of what we would call opposition, but it's really just us reaping what we've sown. And it's interesting how so many Christians, oh, we can blame it on the enemy. Do you see what he's doing? No, 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 no. I want to be clear. The enemy is not the one doing that. You brought that, you brought that on yourself. You are the one who sowed and now you're reaping. We can't put that on him. But I think if we do some inventory in our life and we ask ourselves this honest question, did I sow this? What I'm experiencing right now, did I sow this? And if we can answer with an honest no, then let's also remember that we are God's kids, that we are at peace with him. He's not opposing you. 
He's for you. He is not the source of your opposition. He is behind you and he is for you. See, when you know that God isn't fighting against you, but he's for you, you can firmly plant your feet in front of your enemy and you can look at him with confidence and say, my God is for me. Do you know who's in my corner? Listen, I might not be that strong, but my feet are firmly planted in his peace. So he is stronger and more able to fight this battle for me. God is for you. Let me remind you today, Christian, God is big. The enemy is small. And if God is not opposing you, but he is for you, he is with you in the midst of this. And you have to sink your feet down into the shoes of peace, knowing that no matter what you face, it can't conquer you because of who is for you. So peace keeps us planted. Having the peace of God keeps us planted. But it also is a peace that keeps us prepared. This peace keeps us prepared. In the New King James Version, Paul says it like this. He says, shod your feet with preparation with the gospel. I don't know why I did an accent there. Shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel. Well, I don't quite talk like that. So I'm gonna give you the Robin version. Are you ready? Keep your shoes on. Keep your shoes on. This is the opposite advice I give you if you come visit me at my house. In fact, when you ring my doorbell and open up the gate, the first thing you'll see is a sign that says, please remove your shoes. I don't want your germs in my house, especially your Rona germs. Like, just leave those at the front door. Thank you very much. But when it comes to the shoes of peace, I want to encourage you to keep your shoes on. Back to our Roman soldier. See, It took some time and effort for them to put these sandals on. They were probably difficult to put on and it took some time. I don't know if you've ever tried to put on some strappy sandals or maybe a big boot with a bunch of laces or you ever try and put on a toddler's high tops. It is very difficult and it takes a lot of time. And because of that, if this army was in the midst of a battle and it was ongoing day after day, the army would stay ready by keeping their shoes on. They'd keep them strapped to their feet so that at a moment's notice, if they needed to go and fight, they would be prepared. It could be the middle of the night and they kept those sandals on so that if their their, um, captain came and said, hey, Come on, wake up. It's time to fight. They could jump up and be ready. They would be prepared. See, as we stay prepared by keeping our shoes of peace on. I don't know about you, but the enemy doesn't normally give me a warning when he's about to plan an attack. He doesn't send me a text or call me on the phone like, hey, Robin, I just want to let you know. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of unleash some craziness on you. And I just wanted you to be prepared. Just giving you a little warning. It's going to come in the ne- next couple days. No, the enemy doesn't give us a warning. In fact, most of the time it comes out of left field. It comes out of nowhere. Maybe like the Roman soldiers, it comes in the middle of the night. So we have to keep our shoes on so we can stay prepared. Yet, I think that there's a lot of Christians out there that say that they don't feel like they're at peace with God. And I think the reason they don't feel like they're at peace with God is because they're not staying close to God. They're not staying nestled up near Him. 
And I know this because I've been there myself in certain seasons. Or I've thought, oh, I kind of feel like God's opposing me. I don't feel like he's for me right now. I don't, I don't feel like I'm wearing these shoes of peace. You know, the reality is, it's my responsibility to keep the shoes on. It's my responsibility to stay close to him. How do you keep the shoes of peace on? You stay near him. Proximity produces peace. Peace is found in his presence. And I want to ask you today, church, do you feel like you're lacking peace? Do you feel like you're lacking the peace of God? Are you disillusioned believing that God isn't any longer for you? Let me tell you how you keep your shoes on or maybe how you put them back on. Strap your shoes of peace back on by drawing near God in his word. And I know this sounds simple and practical, but it always comes back down to the simplicity of following after him. Strap your sandals back on by drawing near him in the word and let him remind you what type of God he is over you. Like Psalm 91 says, when I sit under the shadow of God, I'm hidden in the strength of the Most High. He's the hope that holds me and the stronghold to shelter me. The only God for me, he is my great confidence. He will rescue me from every hidden trap of the enemy. His massive arms are wrapped around me, protecting me. Come on, we gotta strap our shoes on by getting in his word. Also can strap your shoes on by drawing near him in worship and reminding yourself what a great and big God is and all that he's done for you. And he reminds you how much he loves you. He reminds you of the magnitude of what he's done for you. And as you begin to glorify him and speak out who he is, you begin to remind yourself of the shoes of peace that you're wearing and they get strapped right back on. The last way we draw near him and we strap on these shoes of peace is through prayer. Let me remind you, prayer isn't just about you talking, it's about you listening. And sometimes as you sit in that awkward silence, God reminds you who you are and the peace that he's given you. He reminds you of what you've read in the word and he begins to personally speak those things over you. He begins to share things about you and an intimacy is developed and sustained. It's not just for a one-time thing, but here's the deal. In order to keep these shoes of peace on, we need to spend consistent time in his presence. See, consistent peace comes from consistent time with him. Church, in order to fight this fight right, we have to understand that in order to fight and battle this, that we gotta keep these shoes of peace on. We gotta know that God, God's peace keeps us planted. His peace keeps us prepared. And lastly, if I could just plead with you and say, please keep your shoes on. Come on, don't forget the stability that you have in the peace of God, that you can stand firm against anything that could come at you because of the shoes that you stand on, the shoes of 
peace. Now, today, if you're watching for the first time or maybe you've been watching for a bit and you'd say, I don't have the peace of God in my life because I'm still at odds with God. I'm not a child of God yet. I wanna invite you today, if you need some peace in your life, God wants to give you the stability of his peace and all you simply have to do is say yes to his invitation to following after him. The Bible is really clear. It says, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, then you will be saved. And in a minute, I wanna invite you to pray just a simple prayer with me, inviting him into your life. Because he doesn't wanna just sustain you with his peace through this pandemic. He wants to sustain you for the rest of your days. So church, as we go and we pray in a minute, I pray that you would walk in the peace of God and that you wouldn't take those shoes off. Come on, would you pray with me today? Jesus, we love you. We thank you for your word and your truth. And right now, over every person that is far away from you, that doesn't have a relationship with you, I pray right now, as they make this decision on their own to say, you know what, it is time. I wanna follow after this Jesus I've been hearing about, or I finally wanna give him my all. Right now, I just wanna invite you to simply pray this prayer with me and invite him into your life. Just pray, Jesus, I give you my life. Thank you for giving yours for mine. I choose to follow you today, to be your disciple and to walk in your ways until I meet you in heaven. God, thank you for every person that made a decision to ask you into their life. I pray right now and I thank you that, man, I just, you've been filled with the peace of God by that declaration and that decision that you just made. God, right now, we pray that we would fight right by keeping these shoes of peace on. Not just this week, not just in the middle of this pandemic, but we would keep close to you and keep these shoes of peace on until we meet you in heaven as well. We love you today. Thank you for all that you're doing in our hearts, in our church, even in this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, if you prayed that prayer with us today, you've made a decision to follow after Jesus, there's a really simple button that's gonna pop up right now if you're watching on our live stream. It's a little hand, you can click that. And if you're watching on YouTube, you can click in the description below and there's a simple connect card for you to fill out. The reason we want your information is we don't want you to just pray a prayer, but we wanna help you as a church start your journey with Jesus strong. We wanna send a Bible to you and tell you about some incredible groups we have called First 40 that'll help you build a strong foundation, know how to read your word, what it looks like to pray and what it looks like to be a disciple. Come on, if you could simply do that, we'll reach out to you this week. For everybody else, I love you. Thank you for joining us today. Keep walking in peace. Hey, thanks for taking the time to listen to the Father's House podcast. We hope it helped you wherever you're at in your journey. And listen, we wanna pray with you if you're going through something right now that's difficult. You can go to our website, tfh.church, and click on the prayer and praise link and tell us how to join you in prayer. Until next time, be blessed.